Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, We Shall Overcome. Hey everybody and welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every single Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order. I'm JB Clark, joined as always by Rob Carmack. Rob, how are you doing today? Hey, hey JB, doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm feeling like uh, uplifted. I'm feeling like overcoming something, you know? Well, good, man, because have have we got a song to talk about? (laughs) So the song, as you mentioned before, is the song We Shall Overcome, the song we're talking about today. This is from the 2006 album of the same title, We Shall Overcome, colon, The Secret Sessions. So this was, you know, this is one of the 18 songs on that album. And JB, this is our final song from that album. It's a great send-off. It is the uh, last song we talked about. It is the title track. Um, it's great. Let's do it. Absolutely. So there's, there's a lot of basic facts about this, like the origins of this song. In fact, uh, I actually this is the only song that we've ever talked about that, uh, that I have actually – I've done an entire sermon based on this song where I talked about like the history of it and everything that like led to this song being what it is. So um, it's, now my worlds are colliding. Right now. All right. And if you'll all look at your bulletins, the, um, <laughs> right. the scriptures are there for reference. Uh, so you can follow along. And uh, Rob, you can just take it away. All right. Well, if you will turn to the book of Exodus, chapter one. Just kidding. <laughs> all right. Uh, but anyway, so Bruce actually recorded this song a lot earlier. So it was released in 2006. He recorded this on 1997 for the Pete Seeger tribute album, Where Have All the Flowers Gone? And it, but obviously later he included it on this the, um, the the Seeger Sessions album. But and the most recent performance of the song, I think this is interesting. The most recent performance of the song was January twenty eighth, two thousand fourteen, in Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, which and I think that may have been the first time he ever played South Africa. I could be wrong about that, but I think the High Hopes tour was the first time he'd ever gone there. So, um, for a lot of obvious political reasons, you know, like it's been probably like, depending on when he was touring, it could have been quite problematic for him to go to South Africa. So, um, so that he would go to South Africa and choose to do this song. I think that's pretty profound and powerful, you know, and without getting into the deep, deep history of this song, that's what, um, that's where this, those are the basic facts. Um, obviously it's a cover song. Um, the, the origin of it, it's it's a little bit unclear. It's sort of like PC did, did not write the song. This was it it it's believed that this song was originally uh, one of two African American spirituals. There was one called "I'll Overcome Someday," and there's another one called "I'll Be All Right." And in 1946, there were and I'm quoting from Pete Seeger said this in the liner notes of "Where Have All the Flowers Gone?" But in uh, 1946, several hundred employees of the American Tobacco Company in Charleston, South Carolina, were on strike, and they sang this song on the picket line to keep their spirits up. And there was a woman named Lucille Simmons who started singing the song and changed the word I to we. And that's sort of, those are sort of the modern day protest origins of the song. So later on the song would uh, become used in the, uh, in the civil rights movement in, in the, uh, in the United States in the sixties, or I guess late fifties, early sixties. And um, it's sort of in Martin Luther King Jr. quotes the song at least once or twice in different sermons. LBJ quoted this song. I want to say, I, either during a public address, if not during the State of the Union, and so which pretty much was basically like his way of saying, like, 
um, I'm taking this very, I'm taking the civil rights movement very seriously. Yeah. Um, so that, the, those, that's sort of the short version of, of the history of the song, but the, the song has a long, long history. And obviously it was a song that Pete Seeger, uh, felt very strongly about, which is why he would also cover it, but he didn't write it. That's sort of the, the briefest possible version of the basic facts. So, uh, any, anything I missed there that we need to make sure I mention? No, that's, um, that's everything I've got. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. I'm just. I'm checking my facts, and that's that's what I'm seeing. Cool. Um, well, musically, uh, what do you? I mean, it's a folk song. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot going on in the album version here. Uh, there's a really nice shaker, uh, which is a weird thing to say, but it really is. The <laughs> shaker's nice. Uh, bass drum's kind of really driving it. Bruce comes in with his best Dylan impression. Uh, plucked out strings, some accordion. Uh, everybody always loves accordion. Um, and it just sort of feels like the way it would if a bunch of talented musicians who didn't necessarily know each other were all sitting in a living room uh, with a bunch of instruments and everyone was barefoot and there was a big red frilly rug in the middle and everyone did a great job. You know, like, yeah. it's kind of got that feel. Uh, melody's super nice. Uh, the harmonies are like a little bit, they're a little too shaky offbeat for me, but it's a nice thing for the, the aesthetic. And... Um, I love the way the upright sort of drives the vocal melody, uh, the upright, upright bass. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, now, there's also the uh, live in Dublin recording, which uh, I, I I don't know. I, I tend to like that one a little bit better. I think I, I tend I, to like every version of this rec song on the rec this record better on the live in Dublin record. I was about to say exactly the same thing. I, I like this record, but I think the live in Dublin. I think live in Dublin is a better representation of what Bruce is attempting to do with this album, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. The thing about the live version of this is like, it still has that sort of a bunch of talented musicians who don't know each other sitting around playing the song. Uh, and it is more that, right? It's, it's a bunch of people playing it live and not in a studio setting. And it is somehow a little bit tighter than the actual studio version. Um, well, and that's the thing about songs like like this and Eyes on the Prize and like so many other songs that show up. I think this is probably partially at least why the Live in Dublin tends to be, I, I think, a lot more powerful because these songs were not created to be sung in a studio. These songs were created to be sung by groups of people, you know. And so and, – and Bruce – like Bruce throws a good party, you know. Like you, you get Bruce Springsteen and, an, and a group of very talented musicians on a stage. You put them in a room full of other people and you're like – we're going to do some folk songs and you guys sing along with us. There's an energy that you, the, there, there is no studio in the world that can give you that kind of energy. You know what I mean? The, yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. So the, yeah, these are songs that were, that exist for the purpose of people singing them together. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's at least partially why the live in Dublin, I think is, is almost universally better than what you hear on the Seeger Sessions album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's more in the spirit of what it's doing than than the thing that it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as, uh, well put. As much in as little sense as that makes. <laughs> I've so, never said something so profound and incorrect at the same time. No, no, no. <laughs> You're right on. I'm with. You. I'm tracking with you 100. percent So, yeah. um, I don't know. What, what do you? I'll, you're driving here. What? What do you want to? You want to keep talking music? You want to veer into the lyrics? You want to talk history? Where? Where do you want to go? We can do lyrics if you want. Sure, man. It's a cover. We don't normally do them, but this is a powerful, important cover song. I think the so. Se- Secret Session songs, I think we usually do do that. I guess we do, yeah. Because, because right. of, yeah, the, mes- the message of the song is important. It's, it, you know, why it's on this album. And th- this is one of the simplest and most beautiful uh, songs 
written, I think. Um, So, uh, hey, we shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Darling, here in my heart. Yeah, I do believe we shall overcome someday. And that last we shall overcome is one of my favorite melodies uh, out there. I don't know why. What's it's not that complicated. I don't know what about it. It's just really beautiful. It's a little unexpected. Yeah. Uh, we'll walk hand in hand. We'll walk hand in hand. We'll walk hand in hand someday. Darling, hear my heart. Yeah, I do believe we'll walk hand in hand someday. And then we shall live in peace. Uh, we shall live in peace someday. Darling, hear my heart. Yeah, I do believe we shall live in peace someday. And then, well, we are not afraid. We are not afraid. We shall overcome someday. Yes, we shall overcome someday. Uh, yeah, that's it. I... Like and, and that's the and like you said, it's it's pretty simple, but it's also pretty profound because like 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 it's one thing to hear the song done in a studio. It's also yeah. another thing to hear it sung together by a group of people live. It's another thing to hear this song and then close your eyes and imagine you're standing on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in 1968, lo- locked arm in arm with people as police on horseback are staring you down. You know what I mean? Like. And then somebody starts singing the song, and now you're singing the song, and this the song is the only thing that's like keeping that's keeping you sane. You know, you know what I mean? Like any minute, violence is about to yeah. break out, and just this reminder of here in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. And and it's and, and not only is it hopeful, it's also it also has a weariness to it, doesn't it? Like like whoever whoever is singing the song has been fighting a long time, and they're yeah. not done with the fight. This sort of goes back to we are alive, right? Like it's this. Like there's a in, we are alive is a lot more triumphant, but this song is also sort of getting at that same notion, which is don't we owe it to ourselves and the people who have come before us and those who have struggled to stay in the fight and to continue to insist that things can get better, but we have to like the the idea that the mark the the moral arc of the universe is uh, is long and it bends toward justice, and then add to that like the. Uh, I, I think it was DeRay McKesson who writes in his book. He says, "Yeah, but we have to lean on it, you know." And mm-hmm. um, and so, like this song, this 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 song to me feels like someone who believes that, but has been leaning on that arc for a really long time, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's like tired and hopeful. Yeah, which I mean, I can I can I even imagine what someone like say John Lewis or Rosa Parks or any like any number of the people who were a part of this, you know how how tired they must have been you know on yeah. on any given day so so yeah man i uh i see that and i think like hmm, like th- th- this is this was the song this was the anthem of of that whole movement you know yeah i don't i don't really know what else to say other other than that it's a it is a powerful song yeah i i i don't know either i really don't what do you like better about other than just sort of the live quality of it when you hear the the dublin version what do you, what what do you respond to do you think it's just it just feels tighter and more um, like it, it feels like more more just more what the first one was trying to go for. I like his his less Bruce Springsteen. I mean his less uh, Bo- uh, Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. He sounds more like Bruce Springsteen, less like Bob Dylan. I like I like Bruce Springsteen to sound like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and that's not a dig of Bob Dylan or you know Bruce's inspirations or whatever. It's just personal preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah so i think that's that's a big part of it and and then just everyone is more in it there's there's some pedal steel that i don't think you get in the album version too um 
that's really nice and extra longing. So yeah, yeah. What do you make of the fact that he titled the album after this song? Like of of all the things to call the Seeger sessions, why do you think he chose "We Shall Overcome"? Um, because I think this is like sort of the point of this is what this is what Seeger was trying to say. Mm-hmm. In in most everything he was doing, you know, like this this was like the animating value of of his body of work. Yeah, yeah. This is just like this is what he was trying to say. Mm. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're super early here. <laughs> We've got time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I don't. What else do you 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 preach a sermon on it, man? What do you got? Well, you know, I mean, I could I could go to the book of Acts. But basically, when when I preached the sermon, and I I did. In fact, I did a whole series. I didn't just preach the sermon. I did a, I did an eight part series called "We Shall Overcome." And what I was trying yeah, to get, let's at, get into it. Yeah, man. Well, and what I was trying to get into that was that the well. Okay, l- let me back up. <laughs> one of the, one of the things that has frustrated me. There's a preceding eight part series we're gonna catch you up on. Well, that's the, yeah. I, I have to kind of like tell you like the the reason the reason I felt like I needed to do this was because there are in in the last I mean I don't know let's say since I mean generously we could say since 2016 but honestly it's been happening since before that there has been this movement within certain branches of American Christianity specifically white evangelicalism that has really been grasping for as much power as possible and has sort of like been hurting, like hurting people either passively or like involuntarily or indirectly or directly has been participating in like things that hurt people. And they've been trying to use the Bible to sort of get away with that. And the the thing that really set me off was last April, about a year ago now that, um, I guess it was June that the story broke, but it was about a year ago that the policy, the the child separation policy, and and the, the 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 policy where at the border they were taking basically taking babies out of the arms of their mothers and putting them in cages, and and really like traumatizing small children and whole families with no remorse or regret at all. And then there were there were a lot of stories coming out of the current administration about like whether or not this was even happening. And then when it was sort of like, well, yeah, this is definitely happening. One of the justifications of that brought by our then Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, was, well, if you look at the Bible, and Jeff Sessions, the great theologian that he is, decided to use the Bible to give a direct justification for traumatizing children and putting them in cages. Oh, yeah. And I, I did not have a good reaction to that. Because it's one thing for people to, to, to basically support policy with bad logic or bad data it's another thing when when somebody basically w- once once you start using the bible to justify doing cruel things you've stepped into my world and i'm not going to i'm i'm not going to not say something about that so out of that i started to develop the idea of doing the series and so what i wanted to do um was i did it i built an i built this whole eight part sermon series that i did last um september october and into november where i pretty much went all the way through the bible beginning with the book of exodus and start laying out like, look, not only does the Bible not promote your 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 evil agenda of hurting people for no good reason, it also um, it not not only does it not do that, the Bible is consistently on the side of the people that you're hurting. And and we're gonna start in the book of Exodus and we're gonna move forward. And so I, I used the song We Shall Overcome, like the, the the concept of the song to sort of build that case. Like the message, like the song We Shall Overcome is I would argue just a, an echo and continuation of what the writers of the scriptures are trying have been trying to say for thousands of years, which is 
that anytime you are on the side of the person who's hurting the immigrant or the child or the widow or um, or the poor, not only should you not be using the Bible to do that, the Bible is actually the Bible actually has a lot of really harsh things to say about what you're doing. And so I, I, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time building out that idea. And and it all sprung out of sort of, again, like responding to what Jeff Sessions said, but also my sort of understanding of what this song is. So but basically saying like, like the Bible is not your tool, your tool to be used to hurt people. Like it, what, what the scriptures are meant to do is be a word of comfort and hope for people who needed to sing a song like we shall overcome, you know? Yeah. So anyway, so that, that was sort of the main theme of the series. And, and quite frankly, I look back at if, I, if at the end of my life, whenever that may or may not be, if I look back at the the work of mine that I'm most glad I did, that that's going to be one of them. Like I, I was really I was really pleased with with that as like and and what what it ended up doing also was it sort of like it kind of pulled me out of the closet in a certain kind of way because like I'm in Texas and there's a lot of you know Trump supporters around here and and I, I try as hard as I can to sort of be um, gracious. But in in that in that eight week series, I pretty much gave myself permission to be like, no, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call bullshit where I have to call bullshit, and if people are gonna if people are gonna bail, this is gonna be it, you know. So by the end of that series, if anybody's still around, at the very least, they weren't curious about where I stood on some things, you know. Right, right. Anyway, this that that, that took some time <laughs> just now. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Anyway, man, I I I don't I don't want to do all the talking here. So you chime in. What do you got? I feel like I, I feel like I, uh, I don't. What am I supposed to add to that? You just gave us your eight-part sermon, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I yeah, <laughs> I went to a lot of different places in the series, but um, but yeah, that the this song was was a, was a significant animating driver for me as I was putting it together. I think that the hope of this song is, and it is a hope. It is an exhausted hope because a lot of times when you're tired um, of seeing everything. Uh, when you think you've changed so you've seen so many things change and yet it feels like sort of the driving forces uh, are still against you it, the thought is you know like the arc has always bent towards justice to this point like surely it still will Sh- like surely we shall overcome this yeah someday someday yeah like- um, don't don't we have to? Don't we? Do, you know what I mean? Like just yeah, the like, like statistically, there's like less violence and like less oppression and more opportunity. Uh, but um, like now more than ever. But sometimes it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> no, it certainly doesn't, and it certainly feels like so, sometimes it feels like well, we made a little progress and then we like fell all the way back down the hill. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's complicated and it's hard to. I don't know. Like there are some days you really do feel like, oh, things are like we're we're making progress, and then there are other days that it, it just doesn't. And I'm not even like I'm I'm barely in it. Like there are, there are people like when I look at like people like Duray McKesson or Brittany Packnett or any of the people who like show up to like protests or like those ladies that got like cornered Jeff Flake in the elevator. Like you know what I mean? Like there are people who are who are really like pushing the boulder up the hill as hard as they possibly can. And, yeah, you know, like I. I'm 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 barely like if if you look at like folks like that like I'm barely in it you know yeah. so I just I have so much like admiration for the for the courage of of people like that actually it makes me think a little bit of um 
Rachel Held Evans, who, I mean, has passed away since the last time we, we had yeah. a, a podcast. But one of the things, like she was, a, for those who don't know, Rachel Held Evans was a, uh, was a writer. She uh, wrote a lot of books about like progressive Christianity and like really was a, was a big inspiration to me. But um, mm-hmm. one of the things that she was really great about was like kind of challenging the way we've always sort of done things. And like she, she was a major voice in, in generating inclusion for women in leadership in churches and inclusion of pe- folks who are LGBTQ who have been hurt by the church. And, um, and she was so like fearless, like she was a dragon slayer. And, um, and I, I look at, I look at her and I just think like, man, um, I, I need to get better. And I, 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 especially now that she's not here anymore to, to do that work, like somebody's going to have to pick, pick up the slack and, yeah. um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of work to be done and she was doing a lot of it. Anyway, it's funny how like the last two episodes has sort of been like this theme of like, don't we owe it to the people who came before us to continue to fight, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's a good song. How many, um, protest signs do you give this song? Uh, I, like this song is a five for sure. I don't love the cover, but I don't necessarily dislike it either. So I'm really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. Well, I guess that's the thing. Like you, like we've done like London Calling and other like other songs that are five yeah. star songs in like the broader sense. But like we're evaluating the Bruce Springsteen version of the song, right? Right. I have to give it like I think I have to give it four and a half because of what it represents with the record with the project with Bruce's career, with Pete Seeger's career, and Bruce acknowledging all that, sort of in covering this song. Yeah, I'm with uh, you. But it's not a five because it's just the actual music is not super well executed. Yeah, and I think, and like you said, I think the live version is is a better version. So, but, I mean, if we're, so we have two versions. We have the live in Dublin, but we also have the, the Seeger sessions, and so... I, I I'm probably a five on the the Dublin one, but I'm probably a four on the Seeger Sessions one. So maybe I I'll, I'll split the difference and meet you at four and a half. So yeah, I th- I think that's I think that's probably the most honest rating I can give it. So, um, but yeah, man, like you said, I like what it represents. I like um, I like that Bruce wanted to to say this. You know, I like that it's part of the of the canon, as it were. That that when people are evaluating his body of work many years from now, that this is part of the conversation. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that was another, you know, very meaningful, we're, 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 we're in a very, we're, we're in a string of very like message heavy songs, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. JB, thanks for hanging out again. And, uh, we'll, uh, see you guys next week. We'll be back in your feed with the song. We take care of our own. So we, we remain in the, uh, heavy message portion of the, of the catalog. So we'll see you then.